Hello and welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. Thank you for joining our podcast. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please like and share and subscribe this podcast to make sure that it's shared with the rugby world. And you may have noticed, if you are a follower of the podcast, um, my name is Tala, um, first of all, um, one of the four musketeers for the Rugby Bits um, channel. And you may have noticed that we haven't had a podcast in a while. Um, this is at least for our South African um, listeners. This is a consequence of um, our planned power outages called load shedding that happens in South Africa. And that's unfortunately meant that we've had to schedule and reschedule and unschedule. And yeah, we just haven't had an opportunity to really record together for going on two weeks because they were all scattered around the country. I think Cooks himself hasn't had electricity for a few days, but that's not a planned power outage. That's just been an issue. And yeah, we're just trying to find a way to do it. So we've just decided that at least for this week, let me make sh- let's make sure that's one of us and they've chosen me or I've volunteered myself, just get a, something recorded and something in just to make sure that we do um, get something out for this week. So here I am. And yeah, today I'm going to obviously focus on the big rugby news, especially of the last two weeks, but the main focus being the U- the URC and the URC semi-quarterfinals. So we'll look, we'll look at that a little bit as well, but mostly the semi-finals that happened um, the last two weekends. So what have we missed, I think, in the last two weeks? I think the main thing has been that we've had our two URC semifinals or two URC quarterfinals and semifinals. Semifinals being um, the Stormers um, beating Connacht and um, Leinster surprisingly losing to Munster. So let's start on just, at least from South African perspective, on um, their performances against both the Bulls and Connacht um, in the last two weekends. So. The first weekend, the Stormers beat the Bulls, 33 points to 21 in the quarterfinal. And in the semifinal, they beat Connacht, um, 43 points to 25. I was actually at the game um, for the Stormers against the Bulls. And yeah, I think the Stormers could probably count themselves a little bit unlucky that they didn't score more, more, uh, more points than they did on the day. And them only getting the three um, tries seems to be very, very short. They completely dominated the game um, in pretty much every aspect. Only part where the Bulls got a bit of uh, go forward was their rolling rolling mall that the Stormers found difficult to defend and the fact that the Bulls had Kurt Lee Aronser, who was just absolutely creating havoc uh, with his backfield play. But the Storms Storms were the better team. Um, Defensively, there's a big shift put in by players such as Marvin Ori, um, France Manab and Stephen Kitzhoff were, were, were strong um, in, with their tackle stats. Billy Engelbrecht has had a really impressive two weeks, um, played well. He came on in the second half, replacing Dion Fury. Ivan Rose, I think, probably had a really good game under the, you know, a, sort of a low-key good game. Bit of a shift in role, wasn't as impactful with his runs and carries. He was mostly contained by the by the balls, but he did still get, you know, five defenders beaten. 
But I think his role in defense was amazing. He was the one almost taking over the Dion Fury role of um, being rack focused and, and, and creating turnovers. And he did a really good job. He got four turnovers in the Bulls game. And yeah, he was able to sort of show some maturity and, and, and adapt his game to being more than just a, a ball carrying and running threat. But I think the story of the game is the, the Stormers counterattacking game and how Damien Willemsa and Dan Dublis and Moni Lebok just caused havoc um, when they got the ball um, in the back play. And yeah, there's another day, there's a few um, tries held up. There's a few literal balls um, dropped before the try line. They could have really been more try scored, but start of the game was Moni Lebok on, on, in the quarterfinal. And he was just obviously a man on a mission. We know the history that he was a Bulls player a few years ago until Jake White decided that they have more than enough depth there. And he really came to town in this game as well. Just a really good broken play um, runner, someone that's really good at taking opportunity for himself. He has the pace to make a half gap, a, a, a big line break. He has um, the ability to step off both of his feet and he can put people away. So he was instrumental in really creating some of the big breaks that that happened in the game. But yeah, um, Damon Willemsa also was just really good from the backfield as well. And his battle with Kirtley Arnsa was just worth the, worth, the, worth the price alone. And Arnsa, just looking from the other side, he was just fantastic. I don't think there's too many games where a, a, a player um, comes and plays uh, in a losing team, in a team that's been convincingly beaten and impresses so much. And Arnsa did that. He was able to really... Anytime he got the ball, and especially from kicks, just create something. And you can just see that there is a magic that he has that other players don't. But the Stormers were convincing in beating the Bulls. I don't think there was much drama there. And yes, well, this continues there. I think it's now seven match or six match winning streak that they have against the, the Bulls in the URC. They progress then to the quarterfinal, the semifinals this weekend beating um, Connacht at 43-25. This was a bit of a different game. And it was, but the, the result was the same. So in the game, in the quarterfinal game, the territory and possessions were re- relatively even, but it was mostly the Stormers dominating territory and possession when the game was still competitive. They're able to retain the ball and to sort of make do with, with what they have because they were able to, pretty much get the ball into the Bulls 22, force them into a mistake, and then spends sustained time and, and puts the sustained pressure on, on the on the storm on the, sorry, on the Bulls. But in this game, they played more of their classical um, game plan. Then they play against um, stronger opposition, which Connacht is. Connacht, after beating um, Ulster in their 15-10 victory, away in Belfast in the, in the quarterfinal, a surprise victory, and I think Connacht did really well. I don't know if watching the game, also was just a bit asleep for a lot of the game and only really got urgency once the game was a bit too far and, and Connacht um, went two scores ahead. It's just, yeah, just a really disappointing game for, for the Ulster and Ulster fans because there was an opportunity, and especially now with Leinster gone, there was an opportunity for them to even host this final if all things went well. But they did also quit themselves quite well in Cape Town as well. They led early, eight points to nil. 
seem like the Storms are just nervous. They're just dropping balls. They're making a lot of like unforced errors and mistakes that they have really made when they're playing in Cape Town especially. And it seemed like, oh, this is going to be one of those days when we don't see the best of the Stormers. That, and that's really happened in, in Cape Town. But the Stormers just came back and really used the, their amazing counterattacking ability to come back into this game. And yeah, again, another weekend in which Manuel LeBoc's performances were just stellar. He, he scores a back, a back full of tries, creates a few as well. And it's just noticeable how good he is um, in, in, in broken field play. But not only that, I think he was really good and, te- and intelligent with his kicking game and his strategy and everything as well. So it's been an interesting season, I think, for LeBoc. Um, especially. So he's now obviously played, he had that, uh, we can call it a breakthrough season last season um, when the Stormers won the URC and there was calls for him to start in the, in the or to play for the Springboks. He finally gets an opportunity with the Springboks and you're thinking and you, and I for one am someone that wanted him to maybe get more of an opportunity, especially when Pollard and Yankees were both unavailable. And he plays quite well in the November tour. And he hasn't really been maybe as, you know, much of a, like, strong factor as he was in, in the other champions or in the other games in the RC this season compared to last season. But he still played so well. And it is his ability in broken play. It is his kicking game that's been really good. It is just his option taking and attack. And... Yeah, he's just shown all the tidiness and the strategy to do it and to do it in these big games. And that's something that is obviously of great interest to coaches higher up. And it just shows that he's basically been the premier fly half in this competition the last two seasons. And I mean, that's why the Stormers are hosting another final. So he played really well. Um, great performances from Vili Engelbrecht and Ben James's Ben Jason Dixon. Ben Jason Dixon, the favorite of Sean. He him and Ingelbrecht led the led the led the stats for, for tackles made. I think they had both close to 20 tackles made. Both of them replacing Dion Ferry and Marvin Ori. And oh, the Stormers pretty much played, obviously missing those two important players, but their absence was not as noted noticed because of the impact of those players. And they played really well. Um yeah, there was a lot, a lot of good performances. Stephen Kitzoff has been great in the loose, having more of a prominent role with um, Fari not available. You know what you're going to get from Joe Dweber and Franz Malarba. You had probably two of the most amazing assists from Hachiva Daimani um, in broken play as well to score some of the tries. And the Stormers' backline has just been so good when they get that opportunity to um, in, in the counterattack. It might be, I'm trying to remember, not mixing up my tries. I think it was one of the tries by Leo Linzas where there were two amazing passes and two different types of passes. One from Dan Duplessis skipping um, a play in the middle and, and sort of a cross-field pass. And then one from Ron Nal where he drew two plays to him and then popped it out to the available runner. So you can see just the talent from the centers. And yeah, the two wingers and Davids and, and Zass have just been amazing in finishing opportunities themselves. Yeah, so 
I've pretty much run through the team there. I mean, Herschel Yankees is probably the only player I haven't mentioned, and he's been great. He's been showing that, like, he's been close to the form that he's had when he's been a Springbok as well, and he's really managed the game well from the base of the of the rack. Just all ingredients that you need if you want to be a successful team. And, you know, the Stormers, I think, I think not much has changed from last season. The Stormers are close to unbeatable at home. And they really can play well there. And I mean, if the URC um, teams are going to keep on losing to allow the Stormers to host knockout games, then the Stormers are going to take those opportunities and 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 hopefully march to another um, URC title. But there is another side of the draw, and this is where Munster comes into it. But let's first start with the quarterfinals on that side of the draw. So in the one side, we talked about the Stormers and Connacht coming through, Stormers beating the Bulls and Connacht beating Ulster in their respective derbies. On the other side, we had Leinster face the Sharks and in, in, in the Aviva Stadium and Leinster's, you know, effectively a second team, beat the Sharks relatively comfortably, uh, well, quite comfortably, 35 points to five. Sharks were not able to lay much of a hand to Leinster. It was just brilliant how you could see Kalen Doris just absolutely destroyed everything that the Sharks were trying to do in their own malls and Leinster when they had the opportunities to run you know the fancy patterns and stuff that they usually do they took those with relish and Harry Byrne uh, was able to run the show from there and Hugo Keenan was so key from the back as well and then the other quarterfinal was Munster beating Glasgow 14 points to 5 a tight game a, a, a game full of tension Glasgow with a relatively early red card as well um, in the in the first half with their fly off getting red carded for a dangerous tackle. Munster was able to build a lead though prior to that red card. They got the first try and I think the second try came after the card. And they were able just to stick it out really. Um and 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 outlast a really good Glasgow team. So Glasgow has lost their first game at home in months and that was as a result of what Munster did and Munster then had an opportunity to play against Leinster in the semi-final and yeah this comes to another talking point as to first of all I think let's give Munster their flowers so Munster beat the Stormers away from home they're the Stormers first loss at home in in the whole season of the competition and that pretty much helps them earn the, the fifth seed that then gives them a quarterfinal to Glasgow. They then beat Glasgow at home for the first time, which is the first time Glasgow's lost at home in the URC this season. They then finally get to Dublin to play Leinster in an Interpro match, and they do the same thing. They beat Leinster for the first time in the URC at home this season. So Munster have done fantastically at being a team that is able to win in those adverse conditions. And you can just see the big difference that um, having those big locks back has made to their team and having um, just a bit more grunt into their team has made to them. So I think the star of the last month or two of rugby for four months there has been Jean Klein. And Klein has been great in just adding a bit more yeah, just a bit more weight and grunt into their into their into their pack. They really struggled with having a big injury crisis in their locks. You know, losing Argy Snayman and Klein, and they didn't have Tog Burn for a while. Peter Marnie was obviously in and out for Ireland. Uh, Dogbo, you know, 
Autry and um, Archer, and Archer as well. You know, they had those players that they didn't they didn't have access to those players for a while, and they've been getting those players back in this back end of the season, and they've played really well. So surprise, surprise. And Klein, I think, has been the leader of the of that um, comeback in the last few weeks. Same has been in and out of the team. Uh, Omani has also come out with injury, and Burn has been obviously great, but also coming back from injury. But I think it has been, yeah, he's been someone that's been really key there. So Munster's been clearly, um, what the big thing that Munster's done is just been relentless, I think, in, in how they play. So they really have been able to be one relentless and just how they really take up the contact area and make that a battle for themselves or like take up the battle in the contact area and just making sure that they don't concede anything there. Like, just think about how, you know, we talked about earlier in the season that, oh, Munster doesn't really look up for the fight. And they've just, throughout the season, just become more and stronger and stronger in the contact area. And then, too, they just have such a strong defense that's really able to take up the hits and, and take up the pressure and absorb the pressure and not and not fully break when 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 the questions are asked of them. So the Leinster-Munster um, semi-final was an absolute classic. It was just breathless rugby. Um, I saw a stat that said that 44 minutes of modern play time, and you could feel that because it was just not necessarily end-to-end in a they're like open-running rugby type of way, but it was just pulsating rugby. I think that's the word you can use there. And there was many times, and Leinster came, now looking at the Leinster side of things, they came with a bit of a weaker side. They decided to to rest some of their big Irish players, their um, first-choice internationals, to try and focus on this weekend's Champions Cup game. And yeah, you can debate the the merits of that strategy. I personally think it was the right strategy because you, you, know, you, you can't really... You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, if you're Leinster, because the main focus of the season is clearly the Champions Cup. But Munster saw an opportunity there to really beat um to to beat Leinster. And yeah, even in spite of some good performances, I think, from the Leinster side, from Jason Jenkins and Josh Van der Fleer and Ryan Baird were, were, were some of the impressive players. Leinster and were able to absorb a lot of the the opportunity, the 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 pressure that Munster had at their own line. But at the end of the day, Munster was able to score the points at the end, and obviously the drop goal um, from Jack Crowley at the end to seal things. And I was worried during the course of the game that oh, this looks a bit Blues versus Crusader like that. Munster had all these chances; they were attacking, they were knocking at the door, but they weren't actually getting the tries or the the points from that. So is this just going to be one of those? situations where Leinster just they score the points when when it matters and they're able to close things out and Munster said no to that we're not going to be compared to the Blues and they were able to get the victory um, for themselves there and yeah I think you just see that yes they were I think they could have been better with some accuracy and in, 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 in taking those opportunities and scoring the points um, especially in the first 40 to 50 minutes um, and making sure they get the tries or get the the three points, and you can't, especially with a team like Leinster, you can't go into their 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 half and not 
make the scoreboard tick because you know Leinster will get the opportunity and score. But where they were brilliant on Saturday, especially, was they gave Leinster zero quick ball. And yes, that's part of it as a consequence of the selections of Leinster. They didn't play Kalen Doris. They didn't play um, James Ryan and, and, and players that I think would help in securing that quick ball. So they fell into mistakes in, in, the, in the rucks and then a player, especially like Gavin Coombs, was able to really feast in, into the slow rack ball and, and to cause turnovers there. And when Leinster doesn't have that quick ball, you know, their attacking pattern isn't as effective because your defense has a chance to set and they have a chance to read and see where everyone's coming from. If they don't have a chance to set, then they can cause havoc. So it was just great how Munster really distracted them from, from what they wanted to do. Yeah, and it, it brings us to a, a final, a, a URC final that's happening in Cape Town once again. Um, as I speak, the tickets will probably come out on the Thursday. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday. And yeah, I, there's also talks on, on Twitter about a big Munster contingent coming to, the, coming to um, Cape Town for this game. So it'll be an amazing atmosphere and hopefully, well, I, I'm sure that the stadium will be packed to the rafters for that game. And, We'll probably preview that later, but let's spend some time just looking just quickly around the world and the other rugby results. So we've, we're now in the business end for the Premiership as well, and Saracens and Sale have won their Premiership um, semifinals against um, Northampton and Le- Leicester, respectively. Um, Saracens won at a canter, and I think show that there was pretty much only three teams that were really serious about winning the, the, the premiership this season. And so, I mean, wasn't easy or that e- as easy, but they did also win quite comfortably against um, Saris, them- I mean, against um, Leicester themselves. Unfortunately, Andre Pollard wasn't able to play that game. So that obviously made a big difference as to what the ability of what Leicester could do. But ultimately, you know, Relatively or good, imp- uh, good, impressive poor performances from George Ford and from Rob Dupree and Manu Chilagi, um were, were key there. Tom Curry had an absolute blinder, from what I hear, as well, coming up against um, Tommy Riffle. And yeah, I think the Sar- Saracen Cell final in two weeks' time will also be quite interesting. I would still back Saracens as the favorites in that final. They still need to, or they want to make up for what happened last year. Um, but yeah, Sale is a very strong team. We know that. But yeah, I've, I've always had my questions about Sale in these big matches. So we'll see if maybe Sale can get over the hump. You know, there's been some interesting stuff in Super Rugby. That surprising win from the Reds. A little bit of a resurgence from the Australian team. So that's good to see. And they're also heading to the business end. Top 14 is still going and will forever go. But they've also now just about, there's still one more week for them to sort out their top six. And that's that's actually more or less sorted the top six. They they've it's only Bayonne and Toulon that need a few favors to try and sneak into the top six. But yeah, Toulouse and La Rochelle are gonna get the bye and Stade Racing, Bordeaux and Leon are gonna play in that playoff game. And Brevis going down, Perpignan and Powell are gonna try to get themselves out of the playoff as well. And then finally, just two minutes to talk about the upcoming Champions Cup final. Maybe we'll do another um, self-record just to go into that in detail once the teams come out. But Leinster La Rochelle coming up in the final. It's, yeah, I think the the the, the hit in the confidence of Leinster, uh, you, you, yeah, you, you have to also 
think about that and take that with a pinch of salt because Leinster didn't, um, you know, play all their big players in this game. So it might, they, they, yes, there's more pressure on Leinster to win this game than there were, was before, but they are still the ones playing at home. They're, the, they're, the, they're still the team that, you know, holds the, the revenge factor from last season as well. And they should learn, hopefully, from the lessons from how they played Larishal last season. And yeah, Larishal is just an overwhelming force, really, in how they play rugby. They just have, you know, the ability to keep the ball and to really be so responsible with the ball. They have all the game breakers in the team to really make meters for them. Um, they are have a, a a a tidy, if not a really good and dominant set piece. We know how the big players like Antonio and Skelton make a difference in the, in the tight loose. We know how Levani Portia operates. We know how Greg Aldrich is just classy. We know how Kubala and Ostoy are going to try to pull the strings there in, in, in halfbacks as well. And Jonathan Dante has, has made a comeback um, into the team just in time for the final. But on the Leinster side, they must just trust their structures and hope that they can, that those structures can, can come through. And yeah, like, like with the Toulouse game, they just need to trust what they do and take the opportunities when they come. And yeah, Leinster have big news that they also are calling or that um, that James Lowe is returning from injury. So that makes a big difference, especially with the kicking game of Leinster and just also having that extra playmaker that can create opportunities. The big lesson I think for Leinster to learn that they didn't do last year is they need to really, number one, take the opportunities when they come in this final because Larachal won't fall out of, the, uh, out of the race and they will be relentless for the whole 18 minutes. And they need to just find a way. I mean, Larachal was able to disrupt them with the size and just, able, uh, just was able to throw them off their game. So what, how does Leinster learn from the lessons of what Munster gave them? in this week of if they don't have the ball and the ball is a bit slow, how do they play from that? So I think Leinster has to learn just to also rely on their kicking game. So if ball isn't work, if, if they're not getting quick ball is not working, try to ping into the corners and try to put pressure on Larishal through a territory game. And the second thing is then defensively is just, they need to also make sure that they do their bits to slow down the ball that they get as well. But it'll be a, a fantastic clash um, on, on Saturday. And also, just a few words on the Challenge Cup game. Um, Toulon has lost every Challenge Cup final that they've been in so far. They've been in, I think this is their third one or fourth one. And they're playing Glasgow. Glasgow now have had two weeks off because they're knocked out early in the URC. So perhaps this actually is an advantage to Glasgow for that. And yeah, I think I would probably say Glasgow has a slight advantage over Toulon. But Toulon can also see this as an opportunity to get themselves qualified for the Champions Cup. They aren't. They aren't out of the woods um, for qualification for the Champions Cup for next season. So they're, they're, a win here would help and just to make their season a success. But yeah, Toulon has the names. Glasgow has sort of the team and the vibes. So I think maybe Glasgow can end this off this season off on a good note. So from my side, I'm backing Leinster to learn from this week's mistakes to win on Saturday and I'm backing Glasgow to win as well. And finally... Some questions have been asked about um, the video that the Stormers put out <laughs> before they, or after finding out that Leinster lost and that they were hosting the, the, the Champions Cup final. I think 
all I'll say for that is, yeah, beyond a deep analysis is I think those boys are number one, more happy that they don't have to fly economy to come to and go via Dubai to come to Dublin for a game. And the only Cape Tonian that's unhappy about, you know, hosting a, a, a URC finals, probably the Cape Town grounds person. And there's only one thing that hasn't been going well for the Stormers, just the state of the Cape Town Stadium. It really needs to be relayed. And yeah, that's the unfortunate thing with the URC finals that that delays that for a few weeks. But yes, I think we will conclude on that. Just a quick recap on what we've missed in the last um, week or so. And yes, thank you so much for your support. Hopefully this is enjoyable for you. And yeah, hopefully we don't have to do too many more of these, but this might be the way that we do um, podcasts, at least in the interim while we figure out just times and, and all that sort of stuff to record together. Thank you so much for your support. Please follow us on, on social media, the Rugby Bits page on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And yeah, please come visit our Rugby Bits website to see the latest um, podcast that we've uploaded. And yes, please tell your whole rugby community about this amazing podcast as well. We will ho hopefully have something late in the week about the Champions Cup, but otherwise we hopefully will get at least some of the squad members back to talk about the rugby going on of the week. Bye-bye.